Hello, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Come Follow Me podcast. This episode will cover Ether 1 through 5, and I'm your host today, Julie Clough. I'm a Cedar Fort author of the book Miracles in the Darkness, Building a Life After Loss. When my two youngest children, Carrie and David, died in a car accident on Mother's Day in 2007, one of the things that really helped me was reading other people's inspiring stories of overcoming their difficulties, their trials, all the heartache that we experience in this life. So I felt compelled to share my own experience and all the miracles that surrounded my healing from the pain of loss. I'm also a speaker, the podcast host of Build a Life After Loss, and a grief coach, as well as a wife, mother of six, and grandma of 10. So let's jump into the book of Ether, specifically chapters one through five. When my children were young, I remember doing an activity for family night where I would hide words around the house and they would go on a scavenger hunt to find them. Kids love to be up and active and looking for things. When all the words were gathered together, they would unscramble the sentence, and the sentence read, God gives us commandments so we can be happy. Now, I have asked my children, now that they're older, if they remember this game, and they don't remember it at all, but the phrase has always stuck with me, God gives us commandments so we can be happy. So by logical conclusion, we deduce also that what we already know is that if we are to be happy, we will follow God's commandments. And in order to follow God's commandments, I need to know what they are and understand them as well as I can. That is the guidebook. You know, the scriptures are the guidebook to our life. So when I study the scriptures, which contain the commandments, the most important thing I can do is to search for the commandments, for instructions, for warnings, which are invariably followed by blessings and promises. I've never found an instance where there was a commandment given that there wasn't also the the blessing spelled out that we would receive for, for following that commandment. This is how I apply what I'm learning to my life. This is how I apply the scriptures. This is how I learn. So we're going to look at some of those things as we study Ether 1 through 5. When you follow along with the Come Follow Me manual, there's an introduction, which I always love. The introduction is always so good, and there's always questions in there that get me thinking. And in this particular lesson, there are five subheadings, four of which are important beliefs, stated in belief, their belief statements, each of which would make a great journal entry in your scripture journal. So let me just share what those four belief statements that are listed as headings in this particular lesson. As I cry unto the Lord, he will have compassion on me. I can receive revelation for my life. The Lord will prepare me to cross my great deep. I am created in God's image. Stated specifically as belief statements. So if we were to use those for our own personal study and and just take those headings, not even the good information underneath, which is always valuable as well. But if we were just to write across the top of the of our journal page, as I cry unto the Lord, he will have compassion on me. Then we can 
then we can explore that thought. We can explore our feelings about that belief. Where has this been evidenced in my life? When have I felt the power of that statement? How can I strengthen that belief going forward? And those same questions can apply to every single one of these subheadings. The fifth subheading is, was the brother of Jared the first person to see the Lord? And then briefly, this is explained in a, that ends with a statement from Jeffrey R. Holland. So let me read what it says here. God had shown himself to other prophets before the brother of Jared. So why did the Lord say to him, never have I showed myself unto man? And elder Jeffrey R. Holland offered this possible explanation. Christ was saying to the brother of Jared, never have I showed myself unto man in this manner without my volition, driven solely by the faith of the beholder. That's one of the things that we love about the story of the brother of Jared is the faith that is shown there. The scriptures are full of stories and it turns out that's how we learn best, but we need some context to the story to understand it better. And the book of Ether is unusual in the book of Mormon because it is is the only book that isn't about Lehi's family and the descendants of Laman, which we commonly call the Lamanites, and the descendants of Nephi, which we commonly call the Nephites. This book takes its name from the prophet Ether, who was one of the last surviving Jaredites. And many, many generations passed the brother of Jared, in which the story starts. So this book, the, the book of Ether, is it spans many generations of Jaredites. The book of Ether is also an abridgment by the last Nephite prophet Moroni. It's an abridgment of the 24 plates that were found by the people of Limhi in the days of King Mosiah. So many years before Moroni abridged the record. In the very first verse of Ether, Moroni explains, and now I, Moroni, proceed to give an account of those ancient inhabitants who were destroyed by the hand of the Lord upon the face of this north country. At the very beginning, in the very first verse, we learn about the ultimate conclusion of the story. The Jaredite people were destroyed. And we know that this book is important because it shows us in a very brief fashion, how people go from being righteous to wicked and then destroyed off the face of the land. Now, I like numbers, so I want to know dates. When did the Jaredites leave Babylon to come to the promised land? When were their, their records found by Limhi's people? And when were they abridged by Moroni? So, I'm going to share with you a few dates here and how it all fits together. The biblical account of the Tower of Babel is in Genesis chapter 11. So very much at the very beginning, a recorded scriptural record. This occurred in approximately 2100 BC. For further context, the confounding of languages in Babylon occurred after the flood and before Abraham. Now, Limhi's people found the Jaredite records when they were searching for Zarahemla in 121 BC. 
so almost 2,000 years later. And Moroni abridges the record in 400 AD, so about 500 years after the 24 plates of the Jaredites are found. Now, it seems to me that we would want to learn more about the brother of Jared as he had such great faith that he saw the pre-mortal Christ. If I'm interested in greater faith, I want to learn from those of greater faith, which gets me really excited about exploring more about the brother of Jared and his family and their, their experiences in going from Babylon to the promised land. Moroni introduces Jared and his family after recounting the descendants of Jared. In Ether 1, verse 33, he says, Which Jared came forth with his brother and their families, with some others and their families, from the great tower. At the time of the Lord confounded the language of the people, and swore in his wrath that they should be scattered upon all the face of the earth. And according to the word of the Lord, the people were scattered. So it doesn't specifically say the Tower of Babel. It says the great tower in which the languages were confounded, which is why we know we can equate it with the biblical account of the Tower of Babel. Then Moroni goes on to describe the brother of Jared. And he says, the brother of Jared being a large and mighty man, a man highly favored of the Lord, When I hear the phrase, highly favored of the Lord, it catches my attention. Remember that Nephi was also described as highly favored of the Lord. And I have questioned, like, what does that mean? And in my looking and and trying to discover, because isn't that something we all want to say is that we're highly favored of the Lord? And is this only applicable and only available to prophets? I don't think so. So I've studied this phrase, highly favored of the Lord. And and a couple of things that have come up for me is that we know that the Lord is no respecter of persons. We find that in Doctrine and Covenants 135. And in Matthew 545, we learn that, that ye may be the children of your father, which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. So if the Lord, if God is no respecter of persons, then what does it mean to be highly favored of the Lord? And we find that answer in 1 Nephi 17.35, where again it's explained, the Lord esteemeth all flesh in one. And then it says, he that is righteous is favored of God. So to be highly favored of the Lord is to be righteous, is to follow his commandments. That's what it means. We are blessed when we're obedient. We're obedient when we learn the commandments and we have enough, we have enough desire to be his children, to, to live the commandments that we, we learn and we grow and we, we try to understand these commandments as much as we possibly can. We find more evidence of this in First Samuel, where it says, Honor those who honor him. 
God honors those who honor him. And in John, it says, if you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. So I kind of look at it as the sunshine of the spirit. Like if you think of sunshine, if you're out in the sunshine, it's hitting you. Like you can, you can feel the heat from the sun. But if you choose to put a roof over the top or go into the shade, you no longer feel the sun. So we have a choice. We can, we can expose ourselves, make ourselves available to, to the, to the light of Christ, to the spirit, to the blessings and the love of God, or we can put up shields that, that prevent us from experiencing those blessings, from experiencing his love, from experiencing being highly favored of the Lord. So again, I just, I love that phrase and I love learning about it. You know, happiness, true happiness comes from being highly favored of the Lord and it's available to all of us. It it comes down to righteous living and obeying the commandments. And I think back to the, the question, what more do I lack? So if we're not feeling, or if we're not experiencing that, that connection, then we go to the Lord and we said, what more, what more do I lack? How can I, how can I take the the roof off? How can I take that shield down that is, is not allowing this communion with thee? So while his love and his favor does not mean we can escape the conditions of our world, my conviction is that God does not leave us without comfort and means he will favor us with comfort and means. So as we go further into the story of brother of the brother of Jared, we want to be asking ourselves, what blessings have I seen because I was willing to ask in faith? How have I been highly favored of the Lord? What is the next attribute of Christ that I feel inspired to work on? These are questions that can help us go from experiencing the story to learning from the story, to applying what we've learned from the account of the brother of Jared. This first chapter of Ether is so juicy because the way Moroni abridges this record, he it's just like, bam, 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 you know, like one lesson after the next, like big things when we think about receiving revelation, when we, when we think about downloads from heaven, it's just one right after the other. Because he, he says that, you know, the brother of Jared is asked by Jared to go to the Lord and, and he says, cry unto the Lord that he will not confound us, that we may not understand our words. So Jared is asking his brother to go to the Lord to pray that they won't have their language confounded because of what's happening with this, this tower in Babylon. And then the, it it goes on to say the Lord had compassion upon Jared. Therefore he did not confound the language of Jared and Jared and his brother were not confounded. Now I hear that. And I, and I wonder if there's more to this story, I just, you know, there, this is the account that we have. We know that there was a prayer. There was, there was a request made and the Lord saw compassion and answered the request with, yes, I will, I will help you with that. Then Jared said unto his brother, cry again unto the Lord. 
And it may be that he will turn away his anger from them who are our friends, that he confound not their language. So first, the brother of Jared goes before the Lord and says, can, can my family, can we be exempt from this confounding of language? Can we, can we keep the purity of our language so we can understand each other? And then again, he goes back after that prayer is answered and he says, okay, what about our friends? We have this group of people and, and we want to, we're asking on behalf of them that the same thing be, be given to them. And it came to pass that the brother of Jared did cry unto the Lord and the Lord had compassion upon their friends and their families also that they were not confounded. So it was not only Jared and his, then the brother of Jared, but it was also their friends. And again, his brother, Jared, comes to him and says, go and inquire the Lord whether he will drive us out of the land. And if he will drive us out of the land, cry unto him whither we shall go. And again, another request is put before the Lord. And again, the the Lord answers and says, and has compassion upon them. And this was his reply. This is the Lord's reply. Go to and gather together thy flocks, both male and female of every kind, and also of the seed of the earth of every kind, and and thy families, and also Jared thy brother and his family, and also thy friends and their families, and the friends of Jared and their families. And when thou hast done this, thou shalt go at the head of them down into the valley which is northward, and there will I meet thee, and I will go before thee into a land which is choice above all the lands of the earth. And there will I bless thee and thy seed, and raise up unto me of thy seed, and of to and of the seed of thy brother, and they who shall go with thee, a great nation. Now this is remarkable, isn't it? In just a matter of 10 verses, we have three specific requests and three specific answers from the Lord. He says, yes, I won't confound your language of your family. Yes, I won't confound the language of your friends and their families. And in the inquiry about whether they're going to be driven from the land, remember this is kind of a twofold question, isn't it? Will we be driven from the land and where will we, where will we go? And I think they get an answer that we so frequently get. They weren't told about the whole journey. Like they were told you're going to go to the promised land, but first go over here to this valley. And and then when you go to that valley, I'm going to be before you and I'm going to lead you the rest of the way. So they don't know their whole journey when they start. And I think this is, a, this is an important lesson for me anyway, is just to remember that sometimes the Lord says, you know, go to the valley, go to that next step, do the next thing. Here's, here's the next instructions but the rest of it, have faith that it will unfold, that I'm going to be in front of you, that I'm going to, I'm going to lead the way and you can depend on me to do that. So I love these verses because, you know, if we think about the brother of Jared and the remarkable vision, the remarkable experience he had with being in the presence of the Lord, and we, and we look at the way that he went before the Lord 
with specific requests, which I think is another important lesson is to, to ask specifically what it is we want instead of the generic that we so seldom, or we so often, I should say, we so often find ourselves in, please bless us. You know, we, we want to be specific and he was very specific. You know, will you do this for us? Will you do this for this? Can, can you, will you grant this blessing for us? This specific blessing, we want our language to not be confounded. We want to be able to understand each other. And then a specific question about, are we going to be driven out of the land? And if we are, where are we going? And then the Lord is able to answer specifically because it was asked specifically. But what great faith, what great faith is exhibited here? Because it is very apparent that there was no doubt in the brother of Jared's mind that he would get an answer from the Lord. And apparently there's no doubt in Jared's mind that his brother will get the answer because he goes to him and says, please pray for this. Please ask for this. Please go to the Lord and and ask this specific blessing. So lots of really great lessons here about being faithful, asking questions. You know, how often do we find ourselves in a struggle, like a big struggle? um, I, I imagine it was overwhelming for Jared and his family, for the brother of Jared and his family, overwhelming to see the chaos that was happening in Babylon, to see the way the people were being, for lack of a better word, cursed. Their languages were cursed and they, they couldn't understand each other. How overwhelming is that? And how often do we find ourselves in those circumstances and we think, well, this will be the best solution. And we just, we just kind of come up with our own solution and we think, okay, well, you know, I, I hope, I hope God that you'll bless me in this because this is the direction I'm going without ever inquiring. And sometimes when we inquire, the answer is, and we're going to see this even in this story. Sometimes when we inquire, the answer is go forward, I'll lead you. And we don't get the specifics that we want. How often do we pray like, Lord, where are you taking me? And we want to know the address, (laughs) you know, the brother of Jared is not given the address of where they were going to end up. He wasn't, but he was given the next step. I love this. So then it, it came to the point where they go to this, they go to this valley, they go to the area where the Lord has, has instructed them to go. They leave, they gather their families, they gather the things that they're, they've been instructed to gather. And then they find themselves in this, in the valley. And from the couple of verses that we have about their experience in the valley, it, it feels like they were pretty industrious. They were, they were catching fowls of the air. They were fishing. They had carried with them Deseret. So they, they had these honeybees that they were caring for and they had seeds of every kind. And it was at this point, then once they got to the destination, that first step that the Lord had led them on, that the Lord appears to the, Jer- the brother of Jared and he's in a cloud. And at that point, the Lord commands them that they should go forth into the wilderness. This is where they're getting the next step in the journey. And I love what it says here in verse five. It says, the Lord did go before them 
and did talk with them as he stood in a cloud. This was the promised blessing that was promised before they even had even left Babylon. He said, I will, I will lead you. And here he is, you know, this is the next step and I'm leading you. This is, um, so I, I love that because it's, it's a, a reminder again, that we can depend on the Lord when he promises he, we can, we never have to worry about whether he's going to hold up his end of the bargain. We never do. And it's just illustrated so beautifully here. And in very brief fashion, we learn again that they go into the wilderness and then they, they build barges and they learn that they're going to be crossing the water. And, and at the end of verse six, again, it, it repeats being directed continually by the hand of the Lord. And the Lord would not suffer that they should stop beyond the sea in the wilderness, but he would that they should come forth even unto the land of promise. Again, at the very beginning, he said, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to lead you to the land of the promise. I'm going to lead you there. And here we see every step of the way he's leading them there. And he's continuing to put before them that the ultimate destination is going to be the land of promise in which we learn that it's a, it, the land is choice above, above all other lands, which the Lord God had preserved for a righteous people. Very beginning here, we're learning about this. All the way down, and it continues to talk about this, this promised land, this promised land. And, and the prom, this promised land is, we see this throughout scriptures, the, the promise of a promised land, a place where the Lord will lead us. I think it's symbolic of our own life that as we follow the Lord, he guides us to our own personal promised land in our heart. You know, it's just like we learn that Zion is a place, but it's also a state of mind and a state of our heart. It is a people. It's a people. And we become a Zion people by being individually Zion people. Now in all of his faith, the brother of Jared slacks off a bit. And and we don't know what that looked like exactly, but the Lord comes to him and chastens him and talks to him in the cloud in for a space of three hours and chastened him because he remembered not to call upon the name of the Lord. And the, what was the brother of Jared's response? What would be, what would be our response if the Lord came to us and said, you know, spent three hours telling us that we've, we've done wrong. We haven't done it right. Again, we see the, the, righteousness of the brother of Jared, because his response was to repent immediately. He repented of the evil, which he had done and did call upon the name of the Lord for his brethren who were with him. The spirit reminds him that the spirit will not always strive with man. But then we get to this place where they're building the barges. And this is the, the part of the story we hear frequently about where they're building these barges. And there's three problems three problems that the brother of Jared identifies. And he goes to the Lord and he says, you know, these barges are great, but how are we going to breathe? How are we going to, how are we going to see? And, and, 
I mean, like how, what, what kind of light are we going to have in these things? These are, these are barges, like they're, they're vessels. It's like it, it kind of, when I think of it, I think of a nutshell, like a walnut shell, like that type of a, a structure. That's the way I visualize it. And, and then he's like, well, how, how in the world are we going to steer? We can't even see out of these things. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm standing at the helm, seeing the ocean in front of me and I'm able to navigate. So he comes to the Lord with these three problems. And, and like, once again, the Lord answers his problem, uh, answers him answers because he's prayed specifically. He's prayed specifically. Again, we see this, the, the specific requests that he makes. And he, the Lord answers him and says, you know, make, make a hole in the top and on the bottom and you unstop the hole. And that's how you're going to receive air, unstop the hole and receive air and, and then plug the hole up again when the waves crash upon you. So that that's kind of the answer there. The brother of Jared reports back to the Lord and he says, behold, I have done even as thou hast commanded me. And I have prepared the vessels for my people. And behold, there is no light in them. Behold, O Lord, wilt thou suffer that we shall cross this great water and darkness? And what was the Lord's response? His response was a question. What will ye that I should do that ye may have light in your vessels? He asks a question. And then he clarifies the question that he asks. And he says, For behold, ye cannot have windows, for they shall be dashed in pieces. Neither shall ye take fire with you, for ye shall not go by the light of fire. And then in the answer to this, he answers the the previous question about how they're going to get where they're going. He answers, ye shall be as a whale in the midst of the sea, for the mountain waves shall dash upon you. Nevertheless, I will bring you up again out of the depths of the sea, for the winds have gone forth out of my mouth, and also the rains and the floods have I sent forth. I prepare you against these things, for ye cannot cross this great deep, save I prepare you against the waves of the sea, and the winds which have gone forth, and the floods which shall come. Therefore, what will ye that I should prepare for you that ye may have light when ye are swallowed up in the depths of the sea? This is such an illustration of life, isn't it? We are, we are pounded by waves. We are in the depths of dark sometimes. We, we experience, and honestly, all the time, right? Because we don't have clear vision. The Lord has clear vision. We, we don't possess clear vision. When we rely on him and follow him, we gain clarity because he has clarity. He has clear vision. Once again, the Lord is reminding, I'm going to provide. I'm going to provide. I mean, if I, I don't know how many dozens of times in just a few verses we hear this message, I will provide. This is a less, this is a, a message, not just for the brother of Jared. This is a lesson for us, but I love what happens next because then the brother of Jared goes to the Lord with a solution. And what is the solution that he goes to the Lord with for light? Now, if we go back to verse 23, many years ago, uh, a BYU professor pointed this out and never seen this before. But if you go to ether chapter two, verse 23, and you look at the word windows, Remember the Lord said, ye cannot have windows for they, they will be dashed in pieces. 
On the word windows, there's a subscript. And if you go down to the footnote, it's Genesis, it takes you to Genesis 6, 16. And in that verse, it says, a window shalt thou make to the ark. So this is, we're talking about Noah's ark. We're talking about the ark that Noah built. But there's a subscript on that window. And if you read below on that subscript for the reference to window of the ark, it says, it has a Hebrew word, which I can't pronounce, but I think it's something like Sohar. It says, some rabbis believed it was a precious stone that shone in the ark. Isn't that fascinating? Some scholars believe that it was a precious stone that shone in the ark. The original translation of the, I mean, that these are these are verses this is from verse 6 these are verses that the brother of Jared and his family would have been familiar with these are stories i should say that the brother of Jared would have been familiar with and in some miraculous way this is brought to his remembrance whether it's the spirit saying this is how it was done in the ark remember the story of the ark or whether he had specific remembrance of, you know, I don't know what the availability was for, for someone, for him to have like been familiar with the records specifically, but so interesting that, and I, and the reason I, I, I mentioned that like the spirit bringing this to our remembrance is because sometimes it feels like how in the world can we learn all this? and and be accountable for all everything that's in the scriptures. When we do our part, when we feast on God's word, he promises us that he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us, which means when we have this the gift of the Holy Ghost, he's going to bring to our remembrance. He's going to he's going to spark our memory to the learning that we've experienced. He's going to lead us where, where we need to go for the answers. And in this way, it's an interesting thought to think that here, the, the questions that were asked were specifically answered. This is, this is what you do, you know, take the, take this, uh, create this hole so you can, so you can unplug it and you can breathe. You can get air that way. And then I'm going to lead you. So he doesn't give him specifics on like what that's going to look like, but he says, don't worry about the steering. I've got the steering. I'm, I'm going to do that piece. But then he asks, what, what do you want me to do about the light? And what does the brother of Jarek do? He goes and he, he finds these, these stones and he molten out of a rock, 16 small stones. They were white and clear, even as transparent glass. And he did carry them in his hands upon the top of the mount and cried again unto the Lord. It wasn't just the experience of, of creating these stones that the, the Lord then he asks to, to touch. And once again, exhibits his faith in the Lord to provide by saying, I've created these, I've, I've molten these rocks. I've molten these stones. They're prepared specifically for for you to touch so that we will have light. It's the life that he lived. We see throughout this story that he was a person of faith that went before the Lord asking specific questions and, and 
listening for the answers because he had intent. He had intent to do what the Lord asked of him. And this intent was demonstrated by following through with every command the Lord gave him, building the barges, getting the stones, taking his family from Babylon, every little piece, gathering the things that they were asked to gather. And that's when we see he goes before the Lord and he says, I know, O Lord, that thou hast all power. And once again, not only does he go to the Lord and say, okay, touch the stones. He's, he, he expresses his faith and he says, O Lord, that I know that thou hast all power and can do whatsoever thou wilt for the benefit of man. Therefore, touch these stones, O Lord, with thy finger and prepare them that they may shine forth in darkness and they shall shine forth unto us in the vessels which we have prepared that we may have light while we shall cross the sea. And that's when the Lord stretches forth his hand and touch the stones one by one with his finger. And the veil was taken from off the eyes of the brother of Jared, and he saw the finger of the Lord. And it was the finger of a man like unto flesh and blood. And the brother of Jared fell down before the Lord, for he was struck with fear. And the Lord responds, Arise, why hast thou fallen? Now we know that the Lord is all-knowing, so he knew why why the brother of Jared had fallen. But he get, he asks the questions in order for us to answer the questions. And the brother Jared said, I saw the finger of the Lord and I feared lest he should smite me for I knew not that the Lord had flesh and blood. So he, he gains new knowledge through this experience. And the Lord answers them because of thy faith, thou hast seen that I shall take upon me flesh and blood and never has man come before me with such exceeding faith as thou hast. For were it not so, ye could not have seen my finger. Sawest thou more than this? And the brother of Jared answers, Nay, Lord, show thyself unto me. And he makes another specific request. And the Lord asks, Believest thou the words which I shall speak? Not in past tense. Believest thou the words that I've spoken, but in in future tense, believest thou the words that I shall speak? And the brother of Jared answered, Yea, Lord, I know that thou speakest the truth, for thou art a God of truth and canst not lie. And the Lord answers him, Because thou knowest these things, ye are redeemed from the fall. Therefore ye are brought back into my presence. Therefore I show myself unto you. Behold, I am he who was prepared from the foundation of the world to redeem my people. Behold, I am Jesus Christ. I am the Father and the Son. In me shall all mankind have life, and that eternally, even they who shall believe on my name, and they shall become my sons and my daughters." And never have I showed myself unto man whom I have created. For never has man believed in me as thou hast. Seest thou that ye are created after mine own image? Yea, even all men were created in the beginning after mine own image. 
Behold, this body which ye now behold is the body of my spirit, and man have I created after the body of my spirit. And even as I appear unto thee to be in the spirit, will I appear unto my people in the flesh. Those words are so powerful. They are direct testimony of Jesus Christ given from Jesus Christ. And this is where Moroni comes back in and he says, I'm not going to give you a full account of everything, but it suffices me to say that Jesus showed himself unto this man in the spirit, even after the manner and in the likeness of the same body, even as he showed himself unto the Nephites. This is a story worth studying. I hope I've shared some expression here that has been helpful to you as we have remembered this great story and this great testimony and this great faith of the brother of Jared. And as we read these verses, may we see the instructions and the commandments and the warnings that are contained there, that we may see the promised blessings as we follow the instructions and the commandments and the warnings as we pay attention, just like the brother of Jared did when the Lord spoke to him for three hours and the brother of Jared repented and he called on the name of God and he received blessing after blessing because of his faith and his desire and willingness to follow the Lord. May we all strengthen our faith that we might have faith like unto the brother of Jared. Thank you for joining us. For more Come Follow Me teaching materials, visit cedarfort.com. Use code CFPODCAST to save 15% on your entire order. That's C as in cedar and F as in fort, podcast, for 15% off your entire order.